You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Hey, good morning. I'm so glad you guys are all here. Um, A room full of my friends, right? Um, So anyway, if we haven't had a chance to meet, my name's Alice Collins. I serve on staff here at Midtown. I'm the Connections Coordinator, and that means I'm the one who wants you to fill out the bottom of the card, okay? Could you do that for me right now? Even while I'm talking, you can fill it out. It's okay. You won't miss anything horribly important initially. Um, So fill that out for me because I want to know you're here. I want to get to know you. Um, we love Midtown, I love Midtown, and it's a great place. So thanks for being here this morning. As Krista mentioned, 50 of our men, including my husband, have abandoned us this weekend and are out at Camp Buckner, and they are being challenged to live with an eternal perspective. And that's my desire for us today, is for me to be able to talk to you a little bit about living with an eternal perspective And like, my heart is racing, so would you just do me the favor of bowing with me and praying? Um, Lord, like, this is so important to me, and you know how important eternal perspective is to me, and you know how it's changed my life. Father, my desire is that we would all be people who live in the here and now in light of the there and then. There will be a time when we stand before you. And Father, I pray that that's a time that we are delighted and excited uh, because we've lived a life that you called us to, that we have walked in the good works that you prepared before the foundation of the earth. And so, Father, would you just fill me with your words? Um, Let me put everything aside except what you want said today. Um, And would you help this be transformational in the lives of people that are here. And I ask all those things in the powerful and very precious name of Jesus. Amen. So living with an eternal perspective might be a new idea for you. It was for me 28 years ago when I first started hearing about it. And so let me um, read you a quote from a book called In Light of Eternity by Randy Alcorn. So Randy says, five minutes after we die, every Christian will understand that heaven and ultimately the new earth is our home. And this earth under the curse was a temporary lodging on a homeward journey. Then we will know for certain what was important and what wasn't. We will see with eternity's clarity. We will know exactly how we should have lived. We don't have to wait until we die to know how we should live. God has given us his word to tell us how we should live and his indwelling spirit to empower us to live that way. We can either take off the blinders now while we still have our earthly lives to live, or we can wait to have them taken off after death when it will be too late to go back and change what we've done on earth. May what will be most important to us five minutes after we die become most important to us now. My prayer for myself is that 
what's going to be most important to me five minutes after I see the face of Jesus, I want to become the most important to me right this second. My friends, eternity for all of us began when we were born. Eternity doesn't start when we place our faith in Jesus. It doesn't start when we die. The reality is we're living eternity right now, right here on earth, and heaven is just a location change. When we die, we just change locations, and that location is either going to be heaven or hell, and that is only, only on what we decide about Jesus and whether we decide we're going to receive the gift of salvation, the price he paid on the cross in order for us to be able to be united with God. So nothing we do here, nothing that I do, is going to change that. So all the good deeds I do, whatever, it's not going to change where my location ends up being. My purpose today really is to contrast two ideas or two perspectives, the temporal or the temporary and the eternal, the temporary being the here and now, the eternal being the there and then. So will I live my life in light of eternity, as Randy Alcorn suggests, or will I live my life for today? See, I want to encourage us to live in light of eternity because that's also living in light of reality. The reality is this is not all there is. Our lives here on earth, our acquisition of stuff, our joy in doing things is not all there is. There is something more than that. And the reason I'm super excited to talk about this topic is because it's, it is the single most transforming thing in my entire life. And so 28 years ago, God called us to come to Texas. Now, today, I love Texas. So let me just say that clearly. I do love Texas. But 28 years ago, not so much. Like, for me, at that point in time, I had lived my entire life within a mile of the home I'd grown up in. And that, my entire life, was 40 years. Like, we're not talking about a small amount. I still went to lunch with, with kids I went to school with. They weren't kids at 40, but you get my idea. They, I went to grammar school with them, and I was still going and having lunch with them when I was 40 years of age. And God called us to come to Texas. And we came. Best decision I've ever made. And I would say, just as an aside, when we are making decisions in our here and now, and we made the decision to move to Texas, that, that single decision has impacted my life in a way that no other decision has, including marrying my husband or giving birth to children. Like, it has changed my life in a way that I could not have predicted. And it's changed this part of my life, the earthly part of my life, and it's changed the eternal part of my life. It was a huge decision, but I didn't know that at the time. But we got connected to this church in Northwest Austin, loved these people, and they taught us so much. And it was a 20 years, 28 years ago, it was a relatively small church, about the size, maybe a little bit bigger, but it was small enough that you could get to know everybody if you wanted to. And I wanted to. So I did. And I was a part of um, ministry teams there. And so every month they would have this meeting called Leadership um, 
what did they call that thing? I don't know. It was a leadership meeting anyway. So leadership community, that's what they called it. So we'd all get together and we'd have dinner. We'd share a meal together. And then the senior pastor would get up and he would talk for 20 to 30 minutes. And then we'd break off into our ministry teams. But during that 20 to 30 minutes that Tim would talk, like he would, he would correct me, but I swear to you, he talked about two topics. Nothing else. I don't remember a single other thing he ever talked about. But he talked about two things all the time. One was servant leadership. So the idea of servant leadership is Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. So the idea is the benefits go to your people. So you love people, you care for people. The benefits of of being in leadership go to people, not the other way around. People don't push the benefits up to the leaders. Totally countercultural. If, we, if you look at how we live, that's a t- super countercultural idea, but that was Jesus's idea. And the second thing he always talked about was eternal perspective. And that's the idea of living life in the here and now in light of there and then. Today, the, cha- the decisions I'm making today, how is that going to impact eternity out there the rest of my eternal life. Because as I said, I'm living eternity right now. It's not going to change. So uh, Cliff and I really, like those two ideas got so um, just entrenched in our DNA that we seriously make most of our, our decisions through that grid. What, what choice, the choice I'm making right now, how does that impact the people around me? Um, how does that serve people around me? And how does that impact my eternal destiny or the eternal destiny of the people that I'm interacting with? Those are the, that's the grid that we try and work through. Now, I'm going to share a little story with you that would illustrate that I still have a ways to go with that because there was a time um, when we were still living in Round Rock, still going to that church, and we lived in a two-story house, and my girls were upstairs playing in their room. This is such a humiliating story. I hate telling it. But it serves a point. Anyway, the girls were up in their room. They were playing. It was getting louder. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. And it, it was on the edge of, do I need to go intervene and figure out what's going on? And so I decided it was that time. So I left the kitchen, <clears throat> and as I was leaving the kitchen, I hear this knock on my front door. I open the door and there's this sweet little gal standing right in front of me. And then there's a sweet little gal behind her and they're both holding what looked like a Bible. And I'm like, no, I don't have time for this. And this sweet little girl starts talking and I don't know what she said, but I interrupted her right in the middle of her sentence. And I said, you know what? We don't believe the same thing about Jesus, and I really got to get upstairs because he can hear the noise, and I'm super sorry. I really got to go. I, like, I, I can't talk right now. And so the lady behind her said, so who do you think we are? And I said, well, you're Jehovah's Witnesses, and we don't believe the same thing about the Bible or Jesus, and I can't really talk about the nuances of that right now because there's this thing going on upstairs. And she looks at me, and she says, we're not Jehovah's Witnesses. We're Mormons. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I can't think in my head quickly enough. And so what comes out of my mouth is, you're both wrong. None of, you don't understand who Jesus is. You don't understand the Bible. I'm sorry I don't have time. And I close the door. Oh, my gosh. Like, what was I thinking? 
And I went upstairs and like, oh my gosh, it was so embarrassing. Like, it's so embarrassing. Never did I take just a second to say, hey, Lord, in this moment, what do you want me to do? Because every moment has eternal value or it can. And so, you know, I know that this situation was temporary. The situation upstairs with my kids, because they didn't burn down the house. The house was still standing. We sold it a number of years later. And they were, they're still alive. They're 32 and 30 now. So like nobody killed each other and the house didn't burn down. So it was a temporary situation with my kids upstairs. But when I looked at these women, I did not see, and I did not have an eternal perspective. I did not see the possibility of how eternity could be impacted at that moment in time. And you know, it's super easy to lose sight of eternity, right? It's just super easy. Life, life is happening all the time. And things are pulling at us. And unless we're thinking, how is this serving somebody? Or how is this impacting eternity? Then the chances are really high that you're going to get stuck just like I did, running upstairs, taking care of the momentary pandemonium that was going on up there. Because it, it had no impact on eternity. But the call in Scripture is super clear. For example, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Colossians 3.1 and 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. These verses remind us to change our perspective by focusing not on what's temporary, not on the here and now, but on what on the there and then, where Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Those are the things that are eternal. And so what are the things that we should be prioritizing? So we, I mean, there's stuff, we've got jobs, we collect stuff um, for our comfort, for our entertainment, for our enjoyment. But here's what I know. There are three things that last. There are three things that are eternal. The first is God. The second is his word or the scriptures. And the third is people. Those are the only three things that last. And so what, would, what should we be doing with our time? We should be building a relationship with God. We should be understanding and obeying his scripture. And we should be loving people. Not just his people, but people, all people. We should be loving them and sharing the truth of the gospel with them. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus called his followers to live with an eternal perspective. So if we look at Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Jesus gives us a warning and he gives us a challenge. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin can destroy and where thieves can break in and steal, but instead store up yourself for yourselves treasures in heaven where Moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Sorry. Um, Also, 
See, our heart seems to do this weird thing. It follows where our treasure seems. So sorry. Our heart does this funny thing. It follows our treasure. So my heart is in Maryland. Like I've, somebody asked me about my grandson who lives in Maryland with his mom and dad. And, um, and I thought, you know, that's where part of my treasure is. It's in Maryland. Because that kid means the world to me. And that child means the world to me. My kid means the world to me. Those two things, those two people are eternal. I will forever have a relationship with them. Forever I will have a relationship with them. And so my investment in them is valuable. The point here really is don't fix your eyes on the comfortable, temporary things of this world because we don't know what's going to happen to them. In Luke 12, Jesus tells a parable about a man. Do you remember this? The man who had this enormous harvest and he didn't have room to store the harvest. And so what did he do? He tore his barns down and built bigger ones to store his harvest because he thought, then I can relax. I can kick back a few holes of golf, like travel, the world, whatever they do in that day. But he thought I can kick back because I have all this stuff and I'm protected. And do you know what God said? God called this man a fool. And the reason he called him a fool was because God knew that that very night he was going to demand that man's life. And so his huge barns full of all his stuff that was supposed to give him comfort and leisure for I don't know how long didn't matter. He was gone. It was over for him. Hebrews 11, often what we refer to as the Faith Hall of Fame in the Bible, um, gives us a view of our Old Testament heroes. Let's put it that way. And what it starts off saying, Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 says, Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So the ancients, when you look at at Hebrews 11, if you haven't, I I really encourage you to do it. It is a super encouraging chapter, and it gives you a snapshot of these people. And I would challenge you to go back in the Old Testament and check out these people. Because Abraham, it it says, um, Abraham was called by God to leave where he was a place he was comfortable. I felt a little bit like Abraham when we were called to leave California. He was comfortable. He was established. He had a family. He had parents and cousins and aunts and uncles, and he had a job, and he was established where he was, and yet God called him to leave that place. Verse 8 tells us that he obeyed even though he didn't know where he was going. I kind of felt that way too even though I had a map, but he didn't have a map. He had God. But I felt that way too. He obeyed. And then it tells us in verse verse 10 why. Because he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. That, my friends, is eternal perspective. But if you go back and look at Abraham's life, 
like Abraham screwed up like the rest of us, like Abraham did not live a perfect life, yet he believed God, he picked up his family, and he went to a place he did not know out of obedience because he was looking forward to the future, to this city that God was going to build because he believed. And that's what he was commended for. He, he never saw that city, but he believed and he made a choice. But if you look at Abraham's life, he made lots of other choices that weren't so swell. Moses, another guy, same chapter. And Moses is commended because he lived in, he grew up in Pharaoh's home. Let's all, let's all be real. Like living in the king's house would be pretty good. And yet he chose to be mistreated with his people because he was looking forward to a reward that God had for him. And if you look at Moses' life, Moses didn't always believe. Moses had an argument with God about, like, I can't talk. Don't make me, don't make me go be the spokesperson. Don't make me go be your spokesperson because I don't talk very well. Um, so Moses didn't get it right all the time either. The thing I love about the Bible is that, we, that God chose not to whitewash the heroes in, in history. Like, the 12 apostles, like, they were a mess too. Like, and we're all a mess. Like, that's my point. We're all a mess. But we can all live with an eternal perspective. We can all make choices like Abraham and Moses and Jesus. We can all make choices that affect eternity, a lives that are marked by living with eternal perspective. Lots of you in this room are super young, but you may know a guy named Francis Chan, and he does this little rope trick. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but he takes a rope and he says, look at this as the timeline of your life, right? So it kind of goes on and on. There's 200 feet here, so I could go on for quite a long time. But get the idea? This is the timeline of your life, right? Just goes on and on and on. And this right here is the section that you're living on earth. It's pretty small in comparison to the rest of it, isn't it? But we live here wanting to be comfortable, wanting to fix it, wanting life to be good, wanting life to be easy. And we work so hard on this spot here that we forget entirely about this here. And here's what I know. The stuff I do here affects the stuff that happens here. Why do I know that? Because the decisions that I've made here in this little spot, like right here, affected over here. And the same is true. That's just how eternity works. We make decisions in points in time on the dot of the timeline, and it affects not just where we are, but it affects us for a long time. Like moving to Texas 28 years ago changed the trajectory of my life. Not the eternal trajectory. I was going to heaven no matter what happened. But it changed how I view everything else in life. See, sometimes we get to a place where, like we're work, 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 working, and we have a job we hate, with people we loathe, but 
they're contributing to our 401k and they're matching my, my uh, contributions. And so I'm going to do this, even though it's costing me. It's costing me my relationship with my kids. It's costing me my relationship with my life. But when I get over here, I can make it up. It'll be better. We can go on trips. We can do different things because we have the money protected and that, that time will be great. We'll make it all up. But as somebody who's launched her kids and then had to sit back and look, a lot of you know this story, but had to sit back and look at the man she was married at, married to, I don't think either of us thought that was a great thing. Like, I, I adore my husband. We have a great marriage. But when our last girl got launched, that was not exactly how it was. And so we had a choice. We had a choice that we could go to work and fix it, or we could do what my other friends did. They'd get divorced, or they'd live together in the same house and have no relationship with each other. And neither of those sounded like a reasonable thing to Cliff and I. And so I'm super lucky. I'm married to a very stubborn man. Um, And I am the epitome of stubbornness. And so we just got to work. And we worked 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 for years and years and years. And we have recovered. But I would suggest to you that the better choice would have been for us to do the work while we, were wor- while we were living it, instead of making the temporary choice for the comfort of not facing into the conflict. So don't do that. It's, it's really hard to recover. So practically, how do we do this? Like, really, practically, how do we do it? So when I talk about perspective, I'm talking about my view of everyday life. So when I open my eyes, what do I see? What do I think about what I I see? How do I respond to what I see? And what's motivating me to respond to what I see? When I saw those two women at my door, I saw an annoyance. I did not see an opportunity to impact eternity. But that was an opportunity. I could have shared the gospel with those women, or at least I could have been a better representative of Jesus and not been rude. But that was, so that was an opportunity lost, right? Um, We have friends who've set examples for us about living with eternal perspective. So we have one friend, a family, um, they have four kids. They were saving for their their kids' college funds, right? All four of them. Um, good, fabulous people wanted to put their kids through school. That was a high priority for them. Um, And they wanted their kids to get out of school without debt. And I watched them, one by one, give their kids' college funds away to the work of the church. And you know what? Those kids went to some pretty awesome schools all expensive. And they all got through school without any debt. How'd that happen? I don't know. What I know is that God is faithful. If we do what he asks us to do, he is faithful to take care of the rest. 
I've watched him do this over and over again personally, and I've watched it in the lives of other people. I have another friend who um, she and her husband raised their kids, put them through school. They were launched and gone, and it was time for them to retire. And they felt like God was calling them to the mission field. They were in their 60s. What were they doing? What were they thinking? They could have kicked back, relaxed, played a little golf, traveled, played with the grandkids when they came along. But they chose to sell everything they had, go into the school, this for the sending agency that they were working for, and um, they decided to give it all away. And they went to work in the field. And to the best of my knowledge, they're still out there. I got, I got um, what you call it, um, update letters from them for years. And I believe they're still out in the field. What were they thinking? It was time to get a little house on the lake, relax, kick back. They'd worked hard. But they had an eternal perspective. They saw that they had an opportunity to impact the eternity of the lives of other people, and so they took it. People say to Cliff and I, what are you doing? What are you doing in central Austin, throwing tons of money down a rat hole called rent? What are you doing in central Austin? Well, let me tell you what we're doing in central Austin. We have an eternal perspective. And we want to spend the last quarter of our lives or the last chapter of our lives investing in the kingdom. And so what are we doing? Well, I get to sit with college kids like I have no idea. I have no idea, swear to God, why a college kid would want to spend any time with me at all. But I have college kids who say, hey, can we grab coffee? And we grab coffee. And we talk about life, and we talk about family, we talk about boys, and we talk about school, and we just talk. And they are such a blessing to me. Or we get to sit around with young married couples. They're so much fun. They're so much fun. They come to our house every week, and they're just so much fun to invest in and talk to. And I get to talk to, I've adopted, like, if you've got a kid, I've probably adopted it. Like, right? You know who you are. And I love those kids. I get to go to their dance recitals and their football games. And like, I don't have grandkids here to do that with. And my grandkids aren't old enough for that. But I get to do that because you let me do that. You let me invest in your children. And I love that. And that makes my life full. So, and I get to hang out with old people like myself. And like, and we get to look back and laugh. At, the, at those choices, like when those two sweet ladies were at my house and I closed the door in their face. And we get to mourn the fact that we missed eternal chances and we get to encourage, encourage each other to take those chances now. Hebrews 12, right? We talked about Hebrews 11. Hebrews 12 begins like this. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus had eternal perspective. 
Do you know what the joy was that was set before him when he went to the cross? Do you know what he was thinking about? He was thinking about you and me and every person from every tribe, every tongue, and every language who chose him worshiping before the God of the universe. That's what he was thinking about. He was thinking about that moment in history when we would all stand before the throne of God and we would worship him together. That is what Jesus was seeing in his mind. And so he he discarded the shame of the cross because eternity was more important to him than his own vanity. And so every week, we take a few minutes to remember this, to remember Jesus's eternal perspective by taking communion together. So I'm going to send the servers to go out and get communion. And while they do that, I want to challenge the rest of y'all that are in this room. I want you to think about where are you? Like, are you kind of stuck in the here and now? Are you kind of stuck with the comfort and the calm of your environment? Or are you thinking about the there and then? Are you thinking about what's going to happen later? How you're going to be transformed, how you can help other people to become transformed. So while we wait for the elements to be served, would you just think about that? And would, and would you ask God, if you decide that you're kind of stuck in the here and now, would you ask God to just give you one thing, just one that you can do this next week that can get you to that place where you're looking at life through eternal perspective eyes? Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us, because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven. Mm-hmm.